It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rocket Nation's football podcast. I am Nate Edwards. That's Brandon BK Kylie. This is Before the Box Score, the Vanderbilt Got Murdered edition. Um, this this was not an exciting game. This was not a, uh, a, a tight game. This was not any game that was in doubt from the first snap. Vanderbilt was overmatched, basically play for play, and Missouri was really in no danger of losing the game. Aaron, what? how do you feel about this? Um, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, like we just talked about kind of a little bit off air. Missouri's been on this end of it a couple times this year even, and plenty of times before in the past. And, you know, being able to give these kind of punishments out, hey, that's a good feeling, you know. Uh, can't ever turn our nose up at that and – Winning forty-one to zero, and in, in a in the manner that they did, it was such a fully formed win. It was such a win that got everybody involved. You saw a little bit of the the present, and then also a little bit of the future too. It's mm. just an all around good win, all around really solid win. Uh, a win that you expect to get, but in the manner that they did, it was a very business as <laughs> usual kind of a win. Very businessy, yeah. I. I was sitting here, I was thinking, when's the last time we saw such a dominating win? And I know a lot of people were talking about Arkansas in 2018. That was Chad Morris's first year, Barry Odom's third, and that was just that was not a good Arkansas team at all. No. Um, obviously, Vanderbilt's not a very good team either, and, and sometimes that's what it takes to, to get these kind of games. But, you know, before that, geez, I'm thinking like – I was thinking the most dominating games that I've ever seen in my life. And the ones that pop out to me are, you know, like, oh, Illinois in 2009, the 37-9 mm-hmm. beatdown. 
Um, Kansas in 2010, that was 35-7. Just some of these. Kansas State, 2009, quietly dominant, 38-12. That was probably one of the most dominating performances I saw on the road. That's when one of those mini games that Denario Alexander went off. It's just they're very rare is, is the point I'm trying to get at. And it takes kind of a perfect storm of the opponent and being out of it and obviously Missouri having the talent and then being locked in and just dominating. Um, you just, you don't see that even against bad teams. I mean, you know, no, Colorado no. towards the end of the big 12 years in 2008, we shut them out. But like, you just, you don't see that against power five opponents, let alone conference opponents, shutting them out completely. That's absurd. No, uh, you, you really don't. And something I think it's important to note is that I think you don't see a lot of these victories from teams who are not those big heavyweight powers. You don't see these in college football, period. You don't see scores like this a lot of times unless it's your Alabama, your Clemson, your Mm -hmm. higher echelon team who maybe on the right week gets caught with a less than opponent. But for a team who is viewed kind of middle of the pack in the SEC like Mizzou is – um, to to just come on and just it's not close. Just put just come out on the field and prove uh, that they're the better team from the jump. You could tell um, on the first drive. Vanderbilt gets a nice decent run, and then they end up stopping them on fourth down. Mm-hmm. Like it, it didn't feel like it was close. It never felt like it was in doubt. So, yeah, hats off to those guys. They balled out. Um, that's a that's a that's a solid win. So yeah, yeah, it was in garbage time almost the entire second half almost the yeah. entire thing <laughs> it's just that's incredible uh for a for a rebuilding team with a brand new coach that's that's incredible uh, you saw that from you know established pinkle teams or like barry's one good team but you certainly didn't expect it for this year you know even against the bad vanderbilt right. squad <laughs> um so i mean look vanderbilt not good uh the school itself doesn't care too much about football so they're going to keep Derek Mason around. It's 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 tough for them to, uh, you know, pass around the offering plate and get rid of a coach who is pretty affordable, and you know, especially during a, a pandemic, uh, even at a private school. So he's going to stick around. But you know, Ken Seals, I was really excited to see him. Garbage. Did not have a good game at all. Uh, Henry Brooks, the running no. back coming in, <laughs> uh, it was a stud. He was a good dude. Twenty four yards, uh, or not even that. Sixty four yards on fifteen carries. Like it just. Missouri completely nullified them. And I know after the game was over, you know, my wife was like, so was Missouri that good or is Vanderbilt that bad? And because I'm a lifelong Missouri fan, I'm like, no, Vanderbilt was that bad. But at the same time, <laughs> Missouri got their offensive line back and started executing, and that defense could not be moved. So, yeah, it was a little bit of both. Vanderbilt was stinky yeah. bad, and Missouri was excellent. Yeah, I think they're just – it kind of goes to show when this Missouri team is fully healthy and especially up front. Um, you saw they got Delgado back finally. We got Larry Borum back at right tackle. So to be able to get a couple big key starters up front, it, it just makes all the difference in the world. Um, Larry Borum, by the way, um, I think he's an NFL tackle. Um, I agree. Some of the metrics, some of the metrics probably uh, would show that. I've seen some of the pro football focus grades show that. Larry Borum's an NFL tackle, so anytime you take what I believe is an NFL tackle out of the lineup, you're obviously <laughs> going to be hurt. Sure. Um, 
But it kind of, you know, you don't really see that until he's gone. He's been kind of one of those low-key guys who just kind of killed it for us. So getting him back, you could tell a difference uh, in the protection, in the run game, mm-hmm. uh, all of that kind of stuff, just being able to move the ball kind of at will. And like, and like we said, yeah, it's a little bit of both. It's not just – Oh, Missouri is the best team ever, and everybody is perfect, and we have, you know, but just top, top down, better everything, which we might, but um, Vanderbilt's also bad too, so we have to take that into account, but I think that this offensive line in particular really, really imposed their will, really uh, showed the difference between the two teams. It's It's easy to opine for the backups on offensive line and i know i've been guilty of that right. a couple times this year we're like really we you know we couldn't we couldn't give anybody else a shot borum for sure borum is is yeah i agree he is talented enough that obviously not having him in the lineup was detrimental to missouri's entire offensive attack so there's no doubt about that delgado though like when he got the start uh what was that first first week when he was on first running with the ones i was like okay Mm-hmm. be interesting to see what he what he does he had a couple of spots towards the end of 2019 so i was curious and he didn't totally stand out i know uh pff was like oh he's not super great in pass protection so i was thinking oh you know what would happen if this backups came in well we saw it we saw what would happen dylan spencer did fine and luke griffin was okay world of difference up the middle how many times did larry actually cut left on the inside and and find some space and i know it's against vanderbilt but that was Xavier opening those holes, and you, that's not really something you mm-hmm. saw Luke or or Dylan do. Like they 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 held, you know, they held firm, but they weren't opening holes like Delgado could do. You know, right? Yeah, and I think it's just kind of shows the difference. I think we, if I'm not mistaken, I saw a little bit of Luke Griffin in. They were doing yeah. a little bit of toggling in with some of the pieces, but and, and I like him. I actually think he's a good fit uh, going forward. I just don't think he's got the body. Yet, uh, Delgado's been in the program for a few years and he's a little Mm -hmm. bit older and that's just kind of what comes with that. Mm -hmm. Um, he's been in practice and seen, um, some of the D tackles come through, uh, of the past couple of years, whether it be, um, Jordan Elliott or Terry Beckner, Mm -hmm. some of these guys, he's been able to practice against them and get better. So I think it's just, you know, some of those guys are, are good players and can be, good fits and good pieces going forward, but some of those guys just aren't ready. They just aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, Delgado, um, for all of his struggles and all of his issues so far this year, he's obviously clearing away. He's the best starter at that spot. Mm-hmm. Easily, yeah. So I, I'm glad he's back, and I hope he can stick around. So obviously the, 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 the big difference, other than just playing Vanderbilt, was Missouri had a complete offensive line, the offensive line that they wanted to trot out from from day one. What did that lead to? Well, that led to a killer ground attack. Uh, Missouri ended up with 38, uh, 36 carries, uh, 246 yards, if you don't count count sack yards or any of that. Uh, easily their best day on the ground all season. Uh, and, and you had Larry Roundtree being used as a thumper, but really it was also Tyler Beatty. Unlocking Tyler Beatty? Dude had five carries, 18 yards on the ground, but really, this is incredible. Seven receptions, 102 yards through the air. Mm. That's that, that's what yeah. you want. That's what you want. You exactly. want him and Knox kind of running around in space and and hitting those wheel routes and, and, and Larry cleaning up in the middle. Like that was that's what we wanted to see all year. 
Yeah, I mean, those guys, uh, especially, like you said, Tyler uh, Beatty, he did a great job today. Was uh, a factor in the running game a little bit, but also, uh, actually, like you said, in the receiving game, he was just an absolute problem. Um, he, it's a real luxury to be able to turn around after you're done handing the ball off to Larry Roundtree and be able to handle it to Tyler Beatty, whether it be on a carry or on a throw. So, um, yeah, Beatty was excellent today. Uh, gave them a nice little presence coming out of the backfield in the receiving game. And it really opened everything up, uh, helped stretch some things out for some of the other receivers, made them account for uh, the flats underneath. And mm-hmm. um, just all around was really, really good and helped the offense as a whole. Um, I think that Tyler Beatty, we've talked about all season, how he's been a little bit underutilized. Mm-hmm. And I think Drink hurt us. I think he <laughs> came through and de- and decided to um, really make sure that they were going to get him involved. I think it was a really um, it was a pointed effort uh, on his part to try to get Beatty involved. He did it. That was twelve manufactured touches for Beatty uh, and twenty one for for Roundtree. I I was texting with BK. Uh, he's not dead yet. He's he's still alive. And and he was. Very excited about Elijah Young's carries. I we we've talked mm-hmm. enough about. It. I want to hear your opinion uh, on Elijah Young. Oh man, uh, I think he's going to be great. Uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, we can get another season uh, with Beatty. But I think him and Beatty in a combination, they can both kind of do um, a, some of the same things, but are also different in, in some of the other ways. I think Elijah Young has got a, a more better frame to carry on more weight, so I think he'll be better inside of the tackles um, next year, and I think that'll be more of his role. But I think overall he's kind of in that Jalen Knox, Mm. um, Tyler Beatty kind of slot uh, flex guy who can kind of go all over the offense and you can kind of shift around, move around to kind of get touches too. But, yeah, I think that kid is uh, fascinating. There's a reason why Drink was working so hard when he got here Mm. initially to keep him on. And um, definitely it's going to prove to, uh, prove its dividends, I think, next year especially because he's going uh, to get his touches, that's for sure. It's going to be there to be had. So, yeah, yeah. I hope, he, hope he's able to take advantage. I've, uh, it's hard to have a more quiet or disappointing 80% completion day with 300 yards than Connor Bazelak just had. But yeah. I think part of that is just the design of the offense. Like I said in my preview that – Missouri should just take all the easy stuff that they can because Vanderbilt's really good at giving you easy stuff and like baiting you to make a big play and, and, and make a mistake. And to you know, Drinkwitz's credit, Basilak's credit, they took the easy stuff. Sometimes at a detriment, they really started falling in love with that screen game right yeah. around the second quarter. But <laughs> Basilak finished 30 of 37, 318 yards. That's 8.6 yards per uh, per catch. And in, uh, what is that, 80, 81.1% completion percentage? He took two mm-hmm. nasty sacks and and didn't get a touchdown. But, man, like, that's a great day. And, like, it barely registered for me. Yeah, definitely was kind of overshadowed a little bit with the ground game being um, so explosive as it was. But Bazelik did his job, and that's uh, kind of what we just needed him to do. And some days it's going to be through the air, and some days it'll be on the run. But um, he did his job making those easy passes, those chain movers, stuff like that. That's what keeps the the offense moving and alive and able to do some of this stuff on the ground. So 
Um, I think that all things considered, uh, he had a couple a couple balls that we probably would have liked back, mm-hmm. but um, all in all, I'm I'm pretty impressed. He's been able to keep his um, efficiency pretty high, and, and at the end of the day, he's giving us a chance to win. It seems like every single week, so I don't have a lot of issue. You know, he's not forcing a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. and he's not making those turnovers. And like you said, those two sacks at the end of the half were kind of stinky. But at the end of the day, um, that's some of those growing pains with a, with the red shirt freshman with as many starts as he has. So, yeah, it, you know, getting to the defensive side, obviously we haven't even talked about the defense, and they're the ones that pitch the shutout. Right. Vanderbilt <laughs> hardly crossed midfield. I think they were in uh, scoring position one time. I think they crossed the forty one time. They were excellent, and I, I, I Vanderbilt's offense is is non-existent at this point. But they're still trying to win. They're still trying to play. You know, Ken Seals still mm-hmm. put up 17 on Florida. Uh, still was able to to move the ball, and they 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 did not. They they didn't come even close. Uh, there's 103 yards through the air total between Mike Wright and Ken Seals, uh, and then rushing. Gosh, it's not even 100 yards on the ground. So it, it was it was a stifling effort led by Nick Bolton. Obviously, Devin Nicholson had a good day. Bolton finished. Nine total tackles, uh, two tackles for loss, a sack, and a pass defensed. Martez Manuel. So we, we've talked about Nick Bolton enough. We know what he's going to do. Martez Manuel. This is a question BK and I were kind of throwing back and forth today. Is Martez Manuel, does he have a potential to be an NFL safety? I don't see why not. Um, he he does all the things that you would hope and has kind of a projectable uh, track going forward. Um you know, he's only a sophomore, but he, it seems like every single week we, it's a recurring theme. We're always talking about Martez Manuel, Martez Manuel making a play in pass defense, Martez Manuel coming down and laying the boom on somebody. Um, he's got a nose for the football. He's always around. I, I don't know why he couldn't be in NFL safety. He's got he's got the body and, and does kind of the versatile things that the NFL would like. You know, he plays that hybrid safety linebacker role. So why couldn't mm-hmm. he? So, and that's the question. Like I, I can't, you know, surefire just say, yes, he is. And maybe part of that's just, you know, hedging my bets. That's totally a possibility, right. but I mean, what do you want to see? He, he does fly around the field. It's, it, it's never about stats with defenders, right? Cause it's all about opportunities on defense. You're not always going to get them. And a lot of times you can be disruptive without logging a tackle or a sack or breaking up a pass. So I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, okay, what more do I want to see? And I, I can't really put my finger on it. Maybe it's just I want to see more. Is there, is there something you could point to uh, as a former player where you're like, he needs to get better at X, Y, or Z? Um, I think it would just be consistency, and he's going to be able to grow and make these steps, and they're going to put him um, in a in a role probably next year and the year following if we're lucky. Um for him to take more of a leadership as far as making calls on the defense and being a leader in that, in that kind of capacity. But I think it's just because there Mizzou has so many other guys on that defense, whether it be a Tyree Gillespie, Josh Bledsoe or Nick Bolton, so many other guys who can kind of be that voice. And I think part of it is being that voice. He's Mm -hmm. going to have to be able to be the person making those calls and being the brain of the defense as well. 
Um, I think it's established that he can play. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you, you know, you just want to see some more of the steps. You just want to see him do it more consistently, um, especially in pass defense. Um, that's that's probably where I would say safety's monies are going to be made from uh, going forward. So I think definitely being able to defend in the pass is going to be huge for him going forward and seeing how he progresses in that way. Yeah, he I mean I'm not I'm not a scheme guy so I don't know how this works but I know he is listed as the strong safety which to me always comes across as less of a pass defender more of a run stuffer and you see that a lot you know Josh Josh Bledsoe will play the pass a lot occasionally you'll see Gillespie in coverage typically Manuel's just you know a torpedo launched at the line or at the ball right, carrier yeah. so I mean yeah maybe it's maybe it's you know, playing the ball. Maybe it's playing the pass, those kind of skills that could be developed and, and something more. But you know, it's not really asked of him at this point. That's not really his role. I know box safeties, BK talks about how those aren't really a value in the NFL anymore. But like you said, he's still young. He could still develop that. I, I mean, at this point, do you want to see him more in coverage? Or are you like, screw it, he's great against the run. Let's just leave him there. I don't know that he necessarily needs to just be put in a box. It's just kind of what you know, what is going to be required of him. Um, so necessarily just leaving him in the box probably isn't the best thing in the team when it, for the team, when it comes to, um, who else you may be leaving in pass coverage. Sure. So yeah. I think, I think, I think Manuel definitely has a, a bunch of tools to where it makes him a plus to be able to put some, put him in coverage, whether it be zone or man. But I think that at the same time, um, he does other things well. So he, he's not afraid to, to lay that boom. And I think that, especially on the college level, that matters a lot. Um, being able to come down and make tackles against all of the running backs that you'll face in a, on a weekly basis, mm-hmm. especially in this conference. Mm-hmm. So um, he, he can do some other things. It's just more of what is asked from him. And some of those traits, I'm not exactly sure. I'm not a huge secondary guy, but um, I think that he does enough things well to where he'll definitely get a look. Um, he'll definitely get somebody to take a look at him. For sure, yeah. So one of the benefits of a blowout is you get to empty your depth a little bit. You get to see what's on the bench and, and let him play. Uh, let me just go through the guys, the backups that we saw today that you typically don't see. We got Brady Cook coming in in relief of Bazelak. We saw Elijah Young. We saw a walk-on Journey Jones take a couple of snaps. We saw Damon Hazleton get out of the doghouse and catch a touchdown. Micah Wilson, uh, Barrett Bannister, obviously he sees spot duty, but he was playing a lot. Messiah Swinson, after three freaking years, we finally saw the giant from New York step on the field and catch a pass. Saw Chris Abrams drain in a receiving role. And then you get on the defense and you see Chad Bailey. Finally see Kobe Whiteside mm. again. Mason Pack. Uh, Darius Robinson saw extended time. We saw... Uh, Cannon York with extended time. Jamie Petway, Jalen Carley's. Uh, we we saw kind of everyone just empty out the 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 bench here. Of all the guys that you tend to not see much of, did any of those impress you at all? Yeah, um, I thought especially on defense, I was really happy to see um, Jamie Petway get in. I was really happy to see J- uh, Chad Bailey get in, yeah. especially just because I know that there's going to be spots available next season. And mm-hmm. especially in the case of Bailey, we've been kind of waiting on this potential for it seems like a little while. And it seems like every time he gets close, it seems like there's a Kale Garrett or a Nick Bolton <laughs> who comes up and just swats him away from the conversation. Mm-hmm. So 
for whatever reason that is, I don't know, but he's going to get his opportunity. And when he did today, he looked pretty good. Yeah. You know, um, I enjoyed watching it. And especially on that defensive line, like we saw some more Darius Robinson. I thought he stood out um, last week. We were talking about him a little bit, but again, he comes in and registers a sack and was all over the place. Um, I like his frame, uh, Robinson, a lot. I think he's projectable, and the more I see him, the more I watch him, um, the more it just makes me think he's a he's a problem for people going forward. And um, we talk about him, it seems like all the time, and this has been my favorite guy to watch <laughs> mm-hmm. all season. But Trajan Jeffcoat, man. Yeah. Trajan Jeffcoat. He is getting sacks. It seems like he gets at least one almost every single week. He's always providing pressure. He's always in and at least making it difficult, moving guys off their spots. And him and Trey Williams, who also registered a sack, um, have been great off the edge um, this year. That was the spot we were really worried about. And they've come in and just really done, I think, a good job and batted above their weight in a lot of ways um, this year. So I mean, I'll tell you, Trey Williams sack was one of the funniest sacks I've ever seen. He, he gets around the corner <laughs> quarterback, basically rolls right into his lap. He tackles him high, which obviously you don't ever want to do that, but he did that on the way down. One of the Vanderbilt offensive linemen, like picks him back up. And then Trey just wraps his arms around both of them. And they all just sit down. Like it was very, it was a very odd little kabuki dance that they did there, but um, I was like, oh, count that for two. <laughs> count that yeah. for two sacks because not only did he take him <laughs> down twice, but he took an offensive lineman with him. It was very impressive. Um, yeah, yeah, Williams, Jeffcoat both got one. Then, uh, did I remember correctly? Didn't Jarvis Ware get half a sack? No, he got half a tackle for loss. That's what it was. Yeah. Uh, Darius Robinson got a sack. Nick Bolton got the sack. So, yeah, it was a, it was a very active day. Um I, I haven't gone through the numbers yet, but I, I did tabulate most of Vanderbilt's. You know, you look at the end of the day, we talk about disruption, havoc being kind of a key factor as far as uh, the success of a defense. It's good to ma- make sure you're breaking things up. So if you're looking at things from the Vanderbilt side uh, standpoint, there's only one guy who had any disruptive plays, and it was uh, De- uh, Deo Odiingbo, and mm-hmm. he had – Three tackles for loss and two sacks, and those were both of uh, Bayslake towards the end of the uh, end of the first half. Nobody had any other disruptive play. None. No pass defense. No tackle for loss. No sack. No forced fumble. Nothing. They had. It felt like that. It did. They had three disruptive plays and sixty-three total tackles. That's a four-point-seven percent havoc rate. I don't know what Missouri's is. But I do know that Nick Bolton surpassed that by himself. So, um, yeah, Ooh. Vanderbilt. Not, not That's good. a crazy stat to think about. <laughs> it is. Two tackles for loss of pass defense. Yeah, that he did that by himself. So, Vanderbilt was just getting pushed on a sled. And that was the story of their defensive effort for the day. Poor Vanderbilt. Yeah. Poor, poor Vanderbilt. Yeah, those stupid – Doctors and music producers are just going to be crying to the bank for the rest of their life because they couldn't, they oh, couldn't man. beat Mizzou. So, poor them. So I know it was it was knocked into the ground, and it, guys, it was because the game sucked. Like we had a dog in the fight, and the dog was winning, so we enjoyed it. But that was a super boring, non-fun game. So yes, they talked about Sarah Fuller a lot. They talked about her story. They showed her parents. 
It's a big damn deal, guys. This is only the first time that a female has played Power 5 Division 1 football, okay? And and I know that a lot of people were unimpressed by her kick. That was a very obvious squib kick that they called for her. The entire coverage team was running to that corner. So regardless of your thoughts on the thing, it was a big damn deal. Uh, tip of the cap to the Mizzou crowd that was there for the standing ovation. Well-deserved. Uh, and then, yep. and then, you know, wag of the finger to Vanderbilt for not being able to put her in a position to do anything, but, uh, it was a cool moment. I, I was glad that it happened. I feel like the, especially towards the end of the game, so many people I saw on Twitter were rooting for Vanderbilt to just get in the field goal range. Yep. Please be competent enough to be just getting into field goal range, give her a chance to get a kickoff. And of course they didn't. And it just... Uh, just makes it's disappointing yeah obviously i thought that yeah obviously that kick was a squib um and she did a great job you know what else what else was she supposed to do um it's not her fault the football program is terrible like it's not <laughs> it's her not. fault did you she did you came see her in, quote she is the, the most winningest thing <laughs> in that program right oh my now, god you're right moment. you're right like Nobody else at this point in that Vanderbilt program this season knows anything about winning except for her. <laughs> so maybe, you know, at this point they should take some of her tips. Maybe we should listen to her. Apparently she spoke up at halftime. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I know at the end of the game they're interviewing her. She's like, uh, yeah, the SEC championship was a lot more stressing. <laughs> I'm like, yes. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. 15,000, 16,000 people in middle Missouri is – not, yeah, not the I same. don't think that's. Yeah, I don't think that's the same. No, so. no. So it's very cool. I I don't care that they spent the entire second half talking about it. We're never gonna have to see it again. Arkansas is not fielding any females on their team. There's no woman that's suing up for Mississippi State. So don't worry about it, guys. You won't have to listen to it again. But it was pretty cool that that happened on our field. So yay! Now yeah. uh, you can sports Jeopardy or trivia or whatever. You can you can nail that question correctly. Um. I don't know. Anything else? It was just a very impressive win, very boring, impressive win. You don't get that a lot from the past four years, so it was nice that it was just a business as usual, take care of a bad opponent. Uh, it was basically the, the same as playing an FCS opponent, but is there any kind of big takeaways that you're that you're gleaning onto from this, from this matchup? Um, I think a couple things. First off, anytime I can gloat about this, we, I'm so glad we're seeing more Towsie Dove yes. every single week. Yes. I don't know uh, if that's the reason why Hazleton is in the doghouse. I'm not exactly sure. I would, I would like to see Hazleton, but Towsie Dove has earned every single bit of playing time that he's getting. Every single target he he has earned it, mm-hmm. and I'm just really happy to see him being involved. Another eight catches, and he had one drop today. Finally, the first <laughs> drop he's ever had. Yes, yep. I know. Yep. But um, usually sure-handed, one of my favorite players. Happy um, for him that he's getting a chance to shine. And then my other big takeaway is just that um, this defense is pretty good at the end of the day, and I think that we are going to see this kind of be – uh, parsed out as the season goes on but when you play some of the schools that we've played so far this season um in some of the offenses especially I just think that it, it's really hard to not come away impressed when you see this defense um at every single level the safeties 
are, are really good. Our linebackers, it seems like, are, are really good. And now we're finally getting some pressure from the defensive line. They're being able to do some different stuff um, and not having to blitz so much. <laughs> Yeah. Not not so much. Walters has been able to actually pull back just a little bit just because we're getting decent pressure just with four. So um, defense, I think, is really good, and I think that they deserve some credit. Obviously, they pitched the shit out, but I'm really excited to see what they can do going forward, and I, I'd really like to see them finish on a high note. I agree. I agree. I it's The defense was really – was the lone strength of last year's team and even with losing some guys they're doing incredibly well now and keep in mind like we're going to lose Nick Bolton obviously you're going to lose most of your defensive tackles okay some might come back but who knows point is there's a lot of youth that is really really good that's on the team right now we talked about Martez Manuel Enos Rakestraw had a pretty good day Devin Nicholson's around for a couple more years Trajan Jeffcoat still going to be around next year uh, mm-hmm. so there are, there are some younger guys who are getting experience right now and that's great. And then on top of that, you add in Kyron Montgomery, <laughs> right? You add in the, the, mm-hmm. the massive talent influx that we're going to get from this recruiting class. We should feel good about defense. I know Eli Drinkwitz's reputation is based on the offense and he'll get it there. We've seen proof of concept of that. If he keeps, well, he won't keep Ryan Walters for long. But as long as he has them, or at least these guys running this scheme, that's very impressive. And it's it's treading water for Drinkwitz's offense to get their their feet underneath them. Yeah, and like you said, you mentioned it. I don't think that we'll have Ryan Walters here for very long. Um, I think he is going to be more than likely tapped for another job somewhere, whether it be this year. Maybe we are lucky for another year, but. I think that there is going to be an influx of talent and you have to be just overall really pleased with what they're doing with what they have now and knowing that you can be able and look to the future and know that there's, you've got some reinforcements on the way. Mm-hmm. Um, some pretty big ones at that. Yeah. So Missouri wins beats Vanderbilt 41, nothing. We get to celebrate for another, you know, However you want to view it, till 12 o'clock tonight or for 24 hours, I don't really care. But now we're in rivalry week, second attempt anyway. We get to play Arkansas next mm-hmm. week. So far, fingers crossed. I think this this lined up perfectly. This was a get yeah. get well game. A lot of guys who were injured are back at it. You know, As far as COVID testing, COVID protocols, those are getting cleared up as long as no one does anything stupid tonight. Missouri should be as close to full force as they can, they can possibly be against Arkansas next week at Faroe. Barry will be coming back. I know Michael Shears on that staff too. So there's going to be a little bit of a bittersweet homecoming for some of these guys. It's uh, it's an important game. All games are important, even if they are during a COVID pandemic season, but this is this is what you needed. You needed an easy, solid win to build some confidence and get out the injury bug to prepare for what's going to no doubt be a very tough test on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Arkansas is going to be um, ready to play. Obviously, we know Barry's going to have him scouted up. But there's no reason Missouri can't win this game. There's no reason why uh, Missouri can't dominate this game. I think at the end of the day – um, these teams are pretty equal, and I think it's going to come down at the end of the day to 
the trenches and who's going to impose their will. Um, I think uh, it's going to be a fun game, and we we just got to win. And winning this game pushes us to a different level that I think that nobody really expected before the season. Mm-hmm. This is one of those swing games. Um, so we're at four now. Win this one, and you're guaranteed at least a 500 season. Incredible. And then, and that would be unprecedented. Mm-hmm. And you would have a good shot at a sixth win as well. So, mm-hmm. um, nothing more to say than we just got to win. We'll talk more about it. But yeah, let's just let's just enjoy tonight. <laughs> but realize we gotta we gotta get this dub next week. Yeah. We we gotta hashtag beat Barry. <laughs> hashtag beat Barry. Yeah. So that's that's what we're gonna do. We'll dive into this Tuesday night. We'll get more in Arkansas game, but. Tiger fans, enjoy the win. Vanderbilt beat us last year. They didn't beat us this year, and we beat the hell out of them. So that feels good, feels right. Uh, Enjoy the win. Enjoy the rest of Thanksgiving weekend for you guys. Stay safe. Make good choices. Uh, And thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you downloading, subscribing, and listening to us even during holidays. Uh, You can leave a comment or you can rate us because we love all types of feedback. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at Nate G. Edwards. He is at iAirDry. And, of course, you can follow the Rockin' Flagship at Rockin' Nation. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to be better next time. And until then, I'm IZ. See you over here.